1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Whithelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, modern therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that we do, the things that come up in our sessions, the ways that we interact with clients. And this episode boils down to language and. We've covered some things about language before in some of our previous podcasts and things like cursing and that kind of stuff, but sparking today's episode is what do we do when clients use language that we don't necessarily like or agree with? What's our role in the therapy room? And what do we do when we really don't like it? Katie, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think I have to correct you real quick, because I think it's not when just we don't like the language, when we find the language offensive or icky or disgusting. I think that's what we're actually talking about. <laughs> to correct you really quick. <laughs> <laughs> so to the topic, I think I was trained as a therapist a million years ago, and I got the blank slate training. I got the the client kind of is the one in the space. You don't put yourself in there. And so I think for me, I I find myself grappling with when do I interact with my client as a human and put myself into the room? And when do I let the client's experience stand? As we were preparing for this episode, I feel like there were a lot of different spots to think about when to correct, when not to correct when to refer out, when to do all those things. And we we have like two or three episodes on when to like how to fire your clients ethically. We've got an episode on discrimination if we're referring out everyone of a specific uh, gender, for example, cis, het, white males. (laughs) So we'll link to those in the show notes. But I think generally, I don't typically correct my clients.
1: My first therapy practicing experience was in a methadone clinic down near Los Angeles's Skid Row area. And if you're not familiar with the Los Angeles area, this was an area known for some of the society's most outcasts. And working within substance abuse attracted a certain kind of culture and population within the clients that we had and the ways that they communicated there. Now, my supervisor at the time very much encouraged that you as the therapist, it is your job to fit within the language that the clients use. And Mm -hmm. as long as it's something that's not derogatory or like don't use the N word, but like if a client is using some sort of language in session, match the language to show that you understand and convey their experience. So
0: not just don't correct them, join them.
1: Yes. Okay. Treat them like human beings. Enter into their worlds. And I remember several interactions with another trainee, both in supervision and just around the clinic in general. Who had a very hard time with both clients and counselors and staff using any curse words. And it was no secret among the clients, and this then spread to the other staff, that none of the clients really wanted to see this training as a counselor because they felt judged. Mm. So I have, from the beginning of my career, been very much of the mindset of, unless it's something that a client is specifically asking for of how to better relate to people in a more polite way, it's our job to accommodate and adapt to their language.
0: Yes. And to use our favorite little phrase, I think it's something that as a human and and what we talk about is we do bring ourselves into the room. I think we have to be fairly adept at navigating our own feelings and, and, not centering our own discomfort in our client sessions but for me and and i i see this in as a very complex picture it's not just hey if the client we enter the client's language and sit there it's understanding the context it's understanding the relationship and understanding the the relevance to treatment goals and a larger element around society and it's it's so much it depends it's it's client by client, it's not something that I can say broadly like yes, you always correct objectifying language i mean there's there's a lot of clients that I've experienced all genders that call women girls or call or broads or chicks or bitches or you know whatever like that there's there's something like that, and that hits me a little weird, you know, as a feminist and and as a woman who has wanted to to really. Honor and respect women in all ways, and I don't correct that typically. I don't. I don't go into that unless it's relevant to their goals. However, I I, I know that probably bias comes in where it feels relevant to me because of my own response to the, that language, and so just saying like enter it and let it be. I think there's there's this potentially neutral space where it doesn't overstep the client's goals, but it's not exactly relevant to client's goals and is something that's going to improve the relationship with you as well as society in general.
1: Also, as a feminist and attracting some of the clients that I do who may feel more free to use some of those terms that you just used to derogatorily speak to women, it's not that they necessarily need to be corrected in those particular moments, but it's understanding that in any of these embracements in therapy is not necessarily a encouragement of using those words. I may choose not to use the same language as them, but it doesn't mean I'm going to chastise them either that looking at it as part of a spectrum of growth. And I think that part of the invalidation that clients feel in these situations is that if you're going to latch on to words that I use, then you are therefore unsafe for me to speak to in the way that my lived experience or my world as I'm sitting as a client is being experienced right now. I may not be coming to a therapist in order to... You know, be pushed several steps further ahead than where I exist right now. It may warrant some careful exploration, but I think, you know, part of these situations that I'm trying to warn against is being so quick to be righteously protective of some of these marginalized groups where this language is often directed at. But being so quick to do it ends up alienating our clients in the bigger picture than it is necessarily helpful in being able to do it each and every time that it comes up. Even looking at the top of the episode, like had we not had a several year relationship where, all right, I know that you're gonna, you know, give me a little bit of a hard time wherever you can, and I appreciate it (laughs) and embrace it, but that is built on years of trust that, all right, I'm gonna roll with it. This is, you know, well-played. I'll have my opportunity to lob one back at you at some point. (laughs) <laughs> but had this been somebody that I was sitting across from from the first time, that might feel like it's you know really, oh, is this person really somebody that I'm going to get along with? and so sure. there's there's a huge element of trust in
0: here, too, exactly, exactly. And that's why I did it, of course. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's that element of when we go to correct someone. There has to be that relationship, but I think we're, we're talking very broadly and I want to get into more specific so that we can actually dig deeper into it. I think when we look at choosing to correct or not correct a client, even using the word correct, I think feels not great to me because if in, in the orientation that I have, the client is the expert of their own experience. They're the expert of their own life. And so if I'm correcting them on how they're talking about it, and it's and it's something that's irrelevant, I feel like that does, like you're talking about, diminish trust. It puts an extra space in there. And I want to put that space only when it's absolutely necessary. So I might correct a client who is bashing themselves. Whoa, 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 let's talk about this language. You're saying that you're a complete failure. Let's not use that word. Let's, let's start looking at what you're trying to describe because every time you call yourself a failure, you're, you're hurting yourself. So I might correct language there, but I don't know that I'm going to say like, hey, you shouldn't use fuck because I don't like it, <laughs> you know, to use a different effort. word. So, so to me, I feel like there's, there's that, that piece of anytime I tell my client you're wrong in any way, directly or indirectly. I agree. I think there has to be trust there, or else it destroys the ability to, to have a relationship, or at least have a, an open relationship.
1: Threiser is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Threiser to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryser allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryser covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
1: But, and maybe this is a, a little bit of a difference of theoretical opinions that my natural reaction with some of my clients is to still use their language. You know, there's a part of you mm-hmm. calling the overall part of you a complete failure. Are we just empowering that complete failure side of you to take over and look at everything through that way? That becomes, mm. in, at least in my opinion, even more affirming of where the client's at. It, it's a different means to the same ends there, but... To me, it's really being able to put it into the, the client's language and their own perceptions of self rather than trying to get them to shut off the parts of them that lead them to being able to speak in those ways. But I think that you know this is where at least the chatter in the therapist communities that I see, where I see it in developing therapists talking about it in some of my teaching sort of stuff, is when this is language used about people who aren't the client. And Mm. I think that, you know, we, you brought this up, you know, a few minutes ago, but when it's against a marginalized group and I really caution that as a therapist, you're already in a position of power in the room, but you have to look at the dynamics between you and the client, even the unspoken ones, because as we have a more diverse therapy client population coming in, particularly where some of those extra power positions that therapists sit in. I'm a cishet white guy. I've got some systemic powers and benefits that, and privileges that already are included in that. But these power differences also are more heightened and, and multiplied when we have clients who have other marginalized relationships sitting in the room and so we have to be very cautious in how we present this because these are the things that affect the therapeutic alliance
0: i agree and i think that there's there's a a piece to that that's kind of a of course of course we we support the therapeutic alliance of course we when we can use the, the client's language and of course we we avoid correcting clients and, and try to enter their world and how they see it. When someone's using truly violent or harmful language, we've talked about like directed towards the therapist, like the therapist, the person versus folks with identities similar to the therapist are, are kind of different. But, but when it's directed directly towards the therapist, we talked about that in other episodes on how you can ethically fire your clients. But when it's when it's someone that has similar identities to me and the, and the language being used in the session is objectifying parts of my identity, whether it's female or older or disabled or whatever it is, like the thing, the parts of my identity that either are known or obvious to the client or not, it feels Almost disingenuous to not have any response and to join them in that, though. To say, "Sure, how many bitches have you been with?" Like, (laughs) like I don't, I don't know that I could do that authentically, but I also don't want to say, "Well, don't call women bitches." So, so I guess I'm trying to get into some nuance here because I feel like. Just living in the client's world without honoring my own experience at all doesn't feel quite right, but centering my experience feels wrong.
1: And that's exactly what I'm saying is centering your experience is wrong.
0: Sure. But even with some clients, me saying like, hey, that word hit me kind of wrong. As a, as a, as a human in the room, saying like hey you just were having this conversation and not like immediately like don't use that word right after they say it like process the content of whatever has been talked about but then in an honest authentic way how do i show up as not condoning something that potentially is harmful to them and i guess that's the, that's that's a that's another point but but just me not responding to something that's clearly Objectifying my identity doesn't feel right either.
1: I think that this has to come back to evaluating it through the therapeutic alliance first. Is is this adding on goals that might not necessarily be something at the forefront of the client's mind? And going back to therapeutic alliance, being that client and therapist agree on what the problems are, they agree on the pathway to get there. client believes that the therapist has knowledge of how to actually make it work. Now, if this is something where a client is bringing up, you know, a term that is about a marginalized piece of your identity, but it's about, you know, their role with depression. It's a passing comment. Are you interjecting extra goals and extra things that the client's not necessarily there for? If it's you know, something relational. I'll pick on let's say the, the older comment, the the part of sure. your identity here. You know, if a teenage client is in there and is saying, you know, hey, all of these older people telling me what to do all of the time, you know, they're just out of touch Gen Xers who don't know anything. <laughs> told you I'd love one back at <laughs> you
0: here. There we go.
1: Uh the don't understand what it's like to be a college student these days. You know, back when they went to college, you know things were more lined up. You could do x, y, and z, blah blah, blah. That's not the way things are anymore. Well, if that's you know something where you're steering this conversation around like, hey, I'm a jet Xer, and I'm not that out of touch and blah blah, blah or, you know that this might be something that, all right, if this is about the client having some Self confidence or some ability to do things. This is interjecting a whole different piece of the conversation that's centering your experience.
0: Sure, I agree. I, I don't want to do that. That's something where those passing comments that are basically even irrelevant, almost to the conversation, or irrelevant to the 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 goal at hand, and honestly, are. Or, or, I mean, that was a little bit milk toast as far as. <laughs> I as mean, a, as an insult. You,
1: you, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here on, on the podcast and, and reinforce, you know, things that I, sure. I don't want to sure. have reinforced for people. But it also in doing this, this is also modeling in our own way of we don't have to embrace it. We don't have to sure. center sure. it and, and put it up on a pedestal is like, yes, this is the way that we now must talk about it for these 45 minutes. It's. <laughs> more of like all right i don't have to fully engage in the language we can still talk about the same things we can talk about you as being a post baby boomer we can or <laughs> <laughs> a pre-millennial uh, <laughs> but you in you could replace any of the things that so i'm I- talking about as far as a generation here and put it with you know, any sort of racist or sexist or any other ist sure. language here.
0: Sure, of course. And I think it just viscerally, it has a different mechanism. But I think there are things that being able to allow some of those things to float on by and not latch on to them, I think is helpful, especially if it doesn't feel particularly relevant. But if a client for using your example, if a teenage client was like, and I hate my Gen X parent because they're awful. They're like every other Gen Xer, blah, blah, blah. Gen X this, Gen X that, blah, blah, blah. Gen X, Gen X, Gen X, Gen X. Processing that, leaning into the relationship and then saying, hey, did you know I was a Gen Xer? (laughs) And let's talk about that within the relationship. I think that feels more authentic than saying, well, what if you knew a, a fairly cool Gen X what if you knew someone that you know, like whatever so, it is? Yeah, this you're is- you're
1: talking about using the relationship at that point, which is yes. a which is a therapeutic tool to be sure. able to use the way that you're relating to the client to be able to get them to have a different perspective as it pertains to the relationship that you have with them. Mm
0: -hmm. But But then why would that be different if someone were using an objectifying word around my gender and me then after processing it, talking it through trying to explore how it aligns with their values, all the things. And I think we should probably go into that too, but then saying, and this is how that word hit me as a person of that gender.
1: I think that that's appropriate if there is the right trust built into and the right reaction and the right plan to be able to utilize that as an intervention.
0: Okay, so, so someone has to be able to work in the relationship to be able to correct their clients, or, or let's, let's move away from the word correct, to discuss problematic language with their client and determine if their client still wants, helps their client determine if they still want to use that language. Yes. Okay.
1: Because then it is making it about the relationship between the two of you, which if it is something that's impacting the therapeutic alliance, either you or the client should be talking about that. It's without it centering it, it, without centering your experience on it, because it's affecting the therapeutic alliance. And by that point in the relationship, it's something that Having the trust, having the ability to check back on that therapeutic alliance, all of that feedback informed treatment stuff that we really love here is being able to process that information together rather than, you know, particularly early on in therapy, shaming our clients because they're potentially expressing themselves in a way that we determined that. Because it doesn't fit with our own personal values that it needs to be stamped down or is unwelcome. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code Modern for two months free. So I want to just get more specific on when someone feels like they need to address the language that their client is using, how to do that appropriately, because I think there are, there are things that potentially are just inappropriate or, or not. I'm not open to entertaining for a very long time. And there's stuff that I can let pass for a long time, and maybe discuss within the confines of a goal when it becomes relevant. But there are some things that are truly harmful. Um, I'm trying to think of one right now, and I, I can't think of one that I could say <laughs> on the po- that I want to say on the podcast. But I think there there are things where condoning racism, for example, or or you know, kind of tacit, you know, tacitly allowing for things that are truly harmful or violent. I think that feels bad and I I I can't think of exactly how to frame that. Maybe I'm going off the rails.
1: Well, I'll give you my perspective on it. Okay. I don't think it changes the conversation here unless it's something specifically directed at the therapist because it still comes back to meet the client where they're at. Because if we as therapists, you know, I'm not condoning racism here. What I'm saying is that we have to have the patience to be able to change clients over time, that it's not going to be necessarily every single thing that they say. It's not moving them halfway across the country in one particular comment, but it's over time being able to develop the sense of how they're coming across or how they're wanting to relate or expressing themselves as a joint goal together. I'm very worried that the more and more that I see these conversations that therapists don't have enough of their own coping skills to deal with these things coming up in sessions where they feel that they have to shut these clients down for the protection of themselves. You know, their only coping mechanism seems to be, I need to escape working with clients that don't already agree with my worldview.
0: That concerns me as well. I think, although I find it challenging and both of us being white and having a lot of privilege, I think we may want to carry more of this than, than some of our uh, folks of color or with other marginalized identities having to deal with racist clients or homophobic clients or those things where there are specific identities that are being attacked and that is too traumatic or too hard for a a, a therapist to bear. And so I want to recognize that there are going to be people that have different capacities for different types of clients. And I think racist needs therapists too. Yep. Yep. We did a whole episode on conspiracy theories and folks that need support when they're kind of deeply in something that's truly harmful and offensive. I think the the, the element here is being able to get the skill sets and the coping skills together to be a therapist during these times. We need to know and understand what language is offensive or violent or harmful. We need to know that so we don't use that language. We need to understand it. And we also have to be able to sit with it so that we can help others grapple with their own relationships and how they show up in the world. And we have to do both of those things potentially back and forth throughout the day.
1: Yes. And it's being able to Use the coping skills before sessions, knowing that Mm -hmm. particular clients may trigger us in certain ways, going through our own preparation for those sessions that may be more challenging. It's being able to, after those sessions, engaging in the coping skills that allow for us to be able to say, hey, I was really triggered by that session. And I'm being able to express my feelings about it either through my own individual coping skills whether it's to a supervisor whether it's to a colleague of hey that was really difficult i need to be able to express this versus taking it out on the client and i think that as i've seen in our field over the last well 15 plus years that i've been involved that i'm wondering you know as many things that we espouse on this podcast of like find those clients that work well with us from the beginning, that, you know, it, have the boundaries of knowing who you're not going to work with. Well, if there's almost too much of a swing in the field to where it's now I can only work with clients that are going to be great for me and anybody else can fuck off.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I, I struggle with that because I want to protect myself from an unsustainable job i want to protect myself from unnecessary emotional labor and i want to show up for all types of clients that fit within my expertise and working with executives for example means that i've got folks across all different political spectrums and i've I want to be able to show up for them well. And it means that I I absolutely agree. I have to have the coping skills for some of the comments. I have to have the coping skills for some of the challenges and some of the the vulnerabilities that the clients on all different parts of all different spectrums uh, show. And so if I'm so protective of myself and I, I have this client, this tiny little niche client, yeah, I can help that person, but am I really? Is our field really supporting all folks in the way that it needs to? So I guess we're in complete agreement on that part.
1: Oh, well, and then I want to take what you were saying a few minutes ago, and I want to go one step further is when therapists become offended on behalf of marginalized groups that aren't even represented in the room,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's a lot of the social justice work that we do we encourage as people in this field as Katie and I on this podcast that yeah i don't love when a client uses a derogatory term about something where neither one of us in the room have anything to do with that particular field and let's say somebody's using a derogatory term about lgbtq plus people it's a cishet client i'm Uh, Cishat therapists, it's not something that, again, I'm going to encourage, elevate, even necessarily repeat, but I do have my worries that therapists will stop everything and not even have something about their relationship to interject on. No, no, we need to correct this. That also is a part of this conversation.
0: I think it speaks to the desire to correct things in all spaces that we can't stand for injustice anywhere. And there is a nuance here that I'm still trying to explore. And there are times, and I, it sounds like I probably do this more than you do. There are times when I will look for an appropriate time within the conversation, within the relationship and assuming that there's appropriate context, it's relevant in some way to the goals, I might do some psychoeducation and and do it lightly, you know, whether it's on LGBTQ plus folks and saying, hey, you said this earlier and I just wanted to to correct a, a mis- misunderstanding that you had there. Or, or just kind of, hey, did you want to know more about that? Because it seemed like it was something that you didn't have all the information on something along those lines. Like I feel like there are opportunities for education that I don't want to pass up just because I don't want to challenge the client on something that's irrelevant to their treatment goals. I want to look at them as a holistic person and say, Hey, is this something that could hurt them in some way? Is this something where Kind of would they want to know (laughs) that that is an offensive term or would they want to know that that is misinformation that they're that they're espousing and look at is it relevant to the goals or is it neutral to the goals? If it's contradictory to the goals and it's going to hurt the relationship, absolutely not. But if it's neutral to the goals, I actually sound like it sounds like I would step forward a little bit more than you would to say, like, let me just give you a little bit of education on that. Not stop everything. Not like whoa, whoa, whoa! You just use an offensive word. Stop everything. Stop crying. We gotta, we gotta stop. No, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) But providing some education, some additional information for their, for their reference.
1: And I again want people to measure what the relationship is to bring up these questions. And you know, I think the the risk of this having the most negative impact comes very early on in treatment. I think that, you know, with clients who I've known for months or years that know that we are working really well together, clients are giving really high session feedback scores. There's going to be more permission to have some of these boundary crossings be explored, but you as the therapist in the room need to put your issues to the sides to be able to evaluate how does this come across to the client in the way that I bring it up to them? This isn't a carte blanche, don't do it. It's not a do it every single time. It's that really frustrating answer of it depends and has, like Katie said earlier in the episode, a ton of nuance to it.
0: Well, and, and just to to add one more piece to that, because I agree with all the things that you said, but I think that the one additional piece that I'm saying is, staying complacent in their language because they might be offended that you educate them on it i think is also potentially harmful as well i think it's so it's such a tight space for some folks but i think recognizing that that language that they're using right here right now is harmful to others and could be harmful to them they may have no interest in knowing that and they may have no one to give them that feedback. And so finding a way to provide some supportive feedback or education, I think could be helpful and it could be detrimental if you don't find those opportunities.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can follow us on our social media or join us in our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. Let us know how this has come up with you and your practices and ways that you've managed it. And you can check out our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whitelm with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest-rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.
1: Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.